You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time. It is time. They can't what be the Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy, and I'm here with Ryan Schlipp, the one and only original Pack Daddy. Ryan, thanks for coming on here. Absolutely, man. It's been uh, been a while. Just got to lighten things up a little bit because it's been a little bit depressing around the Packers content creation scene these last couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yes. Uh, really, since the Vikings lost, it's been like not as fun, I think, as it normally is. So uh, I solicited some questions on, um, on in the Facebook group. You guys should check that out. The Packernet Podcast Facebook group, if you're not already in it. Uh, Patreon uh, group, solicited questions there. Some on Twitter, collected a bunch of these. So I don't think we're going to be able to get to every question on this list. So I kind of prioritized some of the ones I thought were some of the most fun to answer kind of early on. But Ryan... Before we do our first listener question, here's one for you. So according to the fantasy footballers, through the first six weeks of the 2022 season, the NFL has seen 100 fewer touchdowns than last year, 120 fewer touchdowns than in 2020. Um, now, I know that the Packers are not responsible for all 100 of those, but you know, probably close. Uh, what in, in the world is up with the... NFL just kind of sucking right now. Like the Bills are good. The Eagles we think are good. Um, maybe the Chiefs are good. And like, it's just a pile of suck after that. It's, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at a loss and it feels like it's flying under the radar because it's, it's, it's really staggering when you look at it. I, I pulled up a stat like two weeks ago and we were way behind in, in total scoring. And I can't imagine where we are now because it hasn't changed. Right. A lot of people are, are attributing it to too high defense or whatever. I don't know if I'm 100% buying into that. Maybe that's a part of it. Um, I think that's been around for a while. I mean, that's what a lot of teams are trying to implement because half the league's already got it. Right. Right. But it seems like when you look at it on an individual level, it's just a lot of teams are going through a lot of stuff. I mean, the Packers are going through a lot of changes right now. The Vikings are going through some stuff. The, 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 uh, the Bears are going through some stuff. You look at Tampa, they they got a head coach now that mm-hmm. kind of sucks. And, you know, Tom Brady's going through life changes and his everything is whatever. When you look at it on an individual level, a lot of teams are just going through some problems, right? And, and we saw this too when we looked at the NFC and we're like, dude, nobody has anything anymore. Right, so, right. I don't know. It's 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 really weird. Maybe it's a combination of the, the defenses are kind of taking a step more so than the offenses are. But I just think that we're in a weird period where 
I mean, you look at Denver and it's like, mm-hmm. I don't think Russ is struggling with defenses. I think he just kind of sucks. And, and right. it's, I don't know. It's, it's just <laughs> weird. I, I can't, I really can't explain it. And I think it's the biggest storyline that nobody's talking about, but um, it's, it's, it's just, it's really weird. And I, I don't like it. it. On one hand, it's nice. Cause it's like, we suck, but we're about as bad as everybody else. But on the other hand, it's, it's just, it's not fun. I don't, I'm so tired right. of watching right. 15 to 17 games. It's like, I can't do right. this. I'm watching way less football right now than I have in like five years. I'm, you know, oh, Thursday night football is on. Uh, man, I I think I got to go dust underneath my bed, right. being honest. Like I've been putting that off for way too long. Yeah, I, I, it used to be if if a game, if two teams scored under 20, it was a terrible game. That's like yeah. 70% of the games right now are, are under 20 for both teams. I can't, I'm stunned by that. Well, fantasy football is suffering for that reason now, too, because it's like, you know, all these guys that just about everybody drafted um, are not putting up points. And it's because their team isn't putting up any points. They're, right. you know, they're not putting up touchdowns, not putting up yards. It's kind of crazy. Um, but also, you, you know, you, you think like, all right, 32 teams in the league, uh, got 100 touchdowns we got to account for. So like if every team is putting up like three fewer touchdowns than a year ago, you get to that, you know, 100 real quick. And yeah. I think the Packers are you know, well over their share of that three touchdowns, but <laughs> they're doing their part. That's for sure. All right, man, let's, let's get into some of these questions. So the first one's going to come from Dalton Erickson had to ask this one. What are the odds of picking up Odell? And my, my, my thoughts on this are like, um, I I'm, I'm more interested in talking about this than I ever have been. Exactly. But also, you know, in the past, it's been like, no, we, we don't need him. But now it's like, yeah, we could get him, but what's the point? Right. No, I, that, it's weird because I was just thinking about this. If you're Brian Gutekunst, you've already decided we're going all in. And you tried yeah. to keep, you know, Devontae as bad as you possibly could, and you just couldn't hold on to him. But you're already all in, and you're committed to all in for the next several years because you've just obviously done all these horrible things to the salary cap. Are you really just going to be like, nah, screw it. We're not, we're not going, we're just going to tank the season because it feels like Gutekunst still needs to try to push mm-hmm. in. But like you said, yeah. what is the point? I mean, if, if we're going to be right. this bad, Odell's just going to come here and we're just going to have him sink with us. So I think we need to prove that maybe we're a couple pieces away and that this right. will actually help. I mean, you're, you're going to need to show me on film that, you know, it, Hey, if we had Odell in this spot, we could have done this, that, or the other thing, but I don't think we're there right now. So if we smash Washington and can kind of prove that we're a halfway competent team, all right, let's start talking about a few pieces. I think that there is a version of the Packers that you could realistically get to in the next couple of weeks where a move like that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, if, the, if the offensive line starts playing better, you know, I, mean, I don't think that the receivers we have right now really suck badly. Yeah. And, you know, you got Tunyon for what he's worth. You got, uh, the two running backs, especially Jones, like you could get clicking and getting humming and, and, and more importantly, pass the eye test. You know, there, there's a difference between, um, you know, whether you're actually putting up points and whether you are executing and marching down the field and just getting stalled in the red zone, that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, there's a version of this where you're like, look, we got Sammy Watkins back. We got Alan Lazard. Um, you know, we got Romeo Dobbs playing really well, and it, it makes sense to insert Odell into this lineup. And I think that 
that could be a move that would take you from good to great. I think that that's that's possible. But the the thing for me is that we're not close to good right now. And um, I got a, a, a buddy who's a Steelers fan. He's actually Ben Roethlisberger's cousin. But he was texting me today and he's like, you guys need to trade for Chase Claypool or DJ Moore. And you could probably mm-hmm. get it done for like a third round pick. And obviously, the first thing that went through my head is like third round pick psh, sold. <laughs> give me like a, you know, pay you give to me a water boy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, I was like, man, I don't want Chase Claypool. And like, what's the point? If you're Brian Gutekunst, it's like. Are, are we actually a Super Bowl contender this year? And if not, why do I want to throw away tomorrow's capital, even if it is a cursed third round pick? Yeah. Well, the, the other thing you got to actually think about is I, I know wide receiver is the big hot topic. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I don't know that that's like the biggest problem. I think the wide receivers are doing a decent enough job. Is that our biggest need? If we're going to get one thing that's going to fix everything, are we sure it's wide receiver? Right. Because... It seems to me like for the most part they're open. I mean, in this last game, I just went through the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had Dobbs deep down the field twice and just missed him. He had Aaron Jones right. open down the field. He missed him. So, I mean, these things are happening, and, and all we're doing is we're going to bring Chase Claypool in, and what, we're going to put one of these guys, we're going to put Dobbs on the bench? What are we going to do? We're going right. to put Lazard on the bench? There's no way they're doing that. Yeah, so, we're going to put uh, gonna put Amari on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're going to say. No. No, he's not going to be in the slot. Maybe Odell. Maybe he'll put Odell in the slot. I don't know, but... Um, no, I, I just, I don't know that that's the solution. And like you said, if, if the offensive line just starts blocking better, I think yeah. everything gets better. We're running better. Rogers has more time. He's more comfortable. The guys can actually get through their routes. He can get through his progressions and it's going to magically seem like the wide receivers are better when in reality, they've always been kind of like this. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to it, but again, I don't even know that that's our biggest need. You know, I'm 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 not positive. I think if there's one thing that's annoying me more than anything, it's probably our linebackers. I know we're not going to do anything about that, but <laughs> that's the one thing that's just driving me nuts. Yeah. But you know, I I don't know. I I, I would say it's it's not it's like you said. It's more likely now than probably ever before. But I'm still there's a lot of questions that need to be answered first. For me, o- Odell is a take you from good to great, not from crap to great. Uh, yeah. Type type edition. Uh, the, the new, uh, narrative on social media right now is that the Packers wide receivers are, you know, doing fine against zone coverages, but they can't get open against man coverage. And I have not watched closely enough to, you know, really formulate an opinion on that. Do you have an opinion? Do you, do you think that that's, it, it makes sense. That? It sounds like one of those things that people say because it makes sense, even though they don't right. actually know, because it makes sense right. to me. They're, they're not guys that can really run away. I saw somebody put up a stat that the Packers are actually do really good against man coverage, which kind of surprised me. But I mean, again, I mean, it, what the Packers, the Packers always surprise in like that kind of stats. Right. Exactly. Always. And it's, Well, and part of it, if you think about it, all the big plays that we've seen, it's man coverage. I mean, it's it's a great throw. It's probably pretty tight coverage, but he always hits Lazard on that one big one. And again, the, the two Dobbs plays and Aaron Jones, those plays, they're they're covered. It's just, you know, they're they're open. They're just not getting the ball there. So I don't know if they can't beat man. Again, it makes sense because Lazard mm-hmm. obviously is not super fast, and none of them are ankle breaker route runners, I don't think, including Romeo yeah. Dobbs. That's where right. Odell would probably come in, I think. He's a little bit more of that shifty. He's actually going to get that five yards of separation coming out of his cut, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I haven't really seen much on that to to know for sure that that's a problem. From Danny Dubois. Ryan, are we trash? We can get a lot of different versions of that question throughout the next uh, you know, 40, 50 minutes here. 
Um, yes, is the answer. <laughs> Are we always going to be trash? I don't know. But what we saw against the Jets was was trash. So, um, I mean, it's you're asking the question about what we are right now. And so uh, the answer until proved otherwise is, yeah, sorry, but yes. It's definitely definitely playing like a very bad football team. The one thing that I, I'll keep coming back to is that I do have a lot of optimism for the potential of a turnaround because yeah. talent is not what's holding us back. There's, I don't think there's a single starter position anywhere where you could point to it and say, well, in this in this spot on the roster, talent is holding us back. Maybe you could do that at wide receiver. But again, we just talked 10 minutes about why we don't think wide receiver is the biggest problem. But just across the board, it's, you know, it's guys playing well below yeah. their ability. And so, you know, it's it's like when you look at all these teams who uh, and the Dolphins a few years ago were a good example of this, where, you know, they're just just God awful for the first half of the season, or maybe for one season, you know, they're just bad for the whole season. And then, you know, the next year or later on in the year, this team starts magically just getting good all of a sudden. And then, it, you know, and then the first time they, they win, it like happens to usually be against like some really powerhouse team. And you're like, Oh man, you know, what's happened to the chiefs now? They just lost to the dolphins. And then the next thing you know, the dolphins have won like eight straight to close out the season. And you're like, what just happened? Yep. And it's 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 never that they brought somebody in. And in fact, sometimes I even feel like you see a bigger correlation with like there was a fire sale and they shipped a bunch of divas off. Yeah. And it's like, OK, the guys who were buried on the depth chart are still NFL players. These guys just started playing better. And I think that the, the Packers have the most potential to improve how they're uh, playing right now compared to other teams, because. They're playing so far below what we've seen them playing at these individual guys playing at for years. The biggest upgrade this team could make, in my opinion, the the number one thing that'll that'll almost turn this team around, you know, we'll call it 50% upgrade, if Elton Jenkins just gets back to his normal <laughs> self. I mean, seriously, yeah. that no, how much sure. damage he's doing to this team by being as bad as he is as a right tackle compared to how much good he would do if he was back to his old self at tackle. Right. It's so unbelievably dramatic, but and and I think that's part of the hesitation to move him inside because they understand how valuable he can be if he gets back to himself. But he is just it's it's brutal what he's doing over there on the right side right now. We've got like ten offensive line questions coming up in a row. I got like a big offensive line section, but before this one's not in there. Who do you think is hurting the offensive line more right now, Royce or Elton? Oh, it's Royce. Even, e- even, sure. even even with uh, the fact that he's at guard instead of tackle, I think so. I mean, it's just he he. It, he's bad. The <laughs> speed so at bad. which people are able to get to Rogers from the inside because it's almost like he's not there. Whether he's yeah. just getting pushed straight back into Rogers or the last play I just watched, he got hit and just fell straight back on his back. It's like it's it's. I mean, Elton Elton's and the biggest issue with Elton, if if anything, in this last game, why he was worse is the penalties. He had two penalties. Yeah. One of them was yeah. brutal on that 30-some-odd-yard run where he grabbed a guy's shoulder pads for who knows what reason. He didn't even need to do it. He missed the block and then grabbed his shoulder. So, yeah, he might have been more annoying in this last game, but Royce is just – he's so – I mean, it's just – it's pure pass protection. I couldn't tell you who's a better run blocker right now, but as a pass blocker, Royce is just a nothing but a liability. Yeah, looking overall, uh, Elton led the team in penalties with three. Yeah. And then he had uh, 
Good lord. You had five guys. Was my eyes playing tricks on me? Four guys with two penalties apiece and another three guys with one penalty. That is a staggering amount of penalties. You got yeah, eight, that's bad. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, plus three from Elton. You got 14 penalties. Good lord. That's just on the offense, by the way. I'm only looking at the offense. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm not I'm not gonna open the defense because I don't want to know how many we have in defense. <laughs> All right. Um so Brett the Packer fan on Twitter wants to know is it possible the Packers lost three important offensive coaches this offseason and that's what's affecting their offense. So uh tally, we lost uh Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, Justin Outen on the offense, and then we also lost Mike Smith on the defense. And as a result of the of those moves, we moved Stenovich to offensive coordinator, which means we basically lost him as our offensive line coach. Now, the other guy who we brought in was we brought in a safeties coach, Ryan Downard. And I just I do think it's worth recognizing that offensive line and safety, probably the two spots on the entire team where we would say guys are playing the most below their ability are spots where we have brand, you know, brand new uh, first time position coaches. I, I don't think that I, that can't be a coincidence, can it? Well, I I think a lot of people want to say that we just lost talent. I, I think it's just a big change, and there's you know there's a whole lot of process that goes on in terms of who does what and how and everything. So maybe that's kind of causing some problems. We got a new guy who's trying to be an offensive coordinator, and there's a whole lot that goes along with that. So maybe he's just not as good at that. Obviously, I mean, if you look at Hackett and Getzey and where these guys went, they're not doing a good job. But um, I, I do think it's probably hard to have that much turnover. And then to try to put all that process back in place, because you got guys having to learn how to do all new stuff. You know, even our right. offensive line coach, he has to learn how to be the offensive line coach. And yeah, I think that does hurt. You know, our offensive line, we, we used to have an offensive line where you put anybody out there. We got a backup coming and suddenly he's playing like an all pro. And it's, you know, we just we love our offensive right. line coaches. And now we got all pros that are playing like undrafted free agents. So <laughs> you can't not notice that that's a big a big deal there with Steno. But other than that, I think it's more process, you know, as far as, you know, maybe that's causing some issues. I don't think it's necessarily we lost offensive geniuses and, and whatnot, things of that nature. But the shakeup, the shakeup. Exactly. I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go a step further. I think that our all pros are are playing worse than like undrafted guys. They're playing like third round picks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's mean. All right. What's the pack on Twitter? I love this question. I saw um, I saw what's the pack uh, was asking other people as, as well. So I don't know if if uh, they're runs, running some sort of poll or something. But the question is, if Matt LaFleur brought you in tomorrow to help fix things and gave you a blank but realistic canvas, what would you do? I've been thinking about this one all day. I think the the biggest well, thing you for me, start, you should go first. <laughs> That's a yeah, big I'm, question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit and let you think. All right. I, th I think the biggest thing for me is I would uh, try and, and get uh, myself as, as Matt LaFleur and um, Stenovich much more involved in the offensive line room and figure out, you know, we're, we're all going to sit down. We're going to watch the tape together. We're going to figure out exactly, you know, what are the recurring mistakes that you guys are making? And then we're going to go out and we are going to practice these and drill you on it and quiz you on it until your joints are aching. And the other thing I'm going to do is there's, you know, th there's a couple guys on the team, Romeo Dobbs, he's uh, struggling with drops, right? And so 
Next thing you hear after we're all like, oh man, he's got all these drop issues. Next thing you hear is after every single practice, he's grabbing a position coach and he's going to go catch a hundred passes from the jugs machine right. on his own time. Rashawn Gary is studying at 3 a.m. and he's texting, uh, you know, Mike Smith, uh, asking him questions, you know, hey, uh, can you send uh, this exercise to my iPad, yada, yada. Or I think the NFL uses the Microsoft Surface tablets, but whatever. And those two guys are hungry. They want to get better. They yep. want to be the best. There's other guys. I'm not going to name names, but I really want to. There's other guys who, you know, are phoning it in and yep. pulling the old, uh, you know, kind of like MVS back in the day, who I will pick on since he's not on the team anymore. Every single practice, you know, like within minutes of the practice ending, he starts tweeting about, you know, hey, you know, man, I can't wait. I'm almost back to my dorm so I can hop on Call of Duty yeah, right. every single day. And and there's other guys doing that, pulling that exact crap. I, I'm telling you, I immediately I don't care if you're a, a former pro bowler. I don't care what. I'm I'm tying your work ethic on your own time in practice to your playing time. And what? What's the downside? Do your all pros are playing like crap anyways? Is there really going to be that big of a drop off if you put a guy out there who is working his butt off and who wants it more? Yeah, I mean, you, you almost want to have sort of a preseason training camp competition. We got a lot of guys that can play a lot of competitions. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I can't tell you, hey, after practice, I want you putting in an extra five, six hours. I can't tell you that because of whatever rules. But what I can tell you is I'm going to be like you said, testing, quizzing, watching to determine who gets this job. Who's going to be our right tackle? You got Zach Tom, you got Shiaish Nyman, you got Elton Jenkins. And Elton Jenkins, by the way, wants to get a big paycheck real soon as a right tackle. If you want that big paycheck, you better be able to beat Yash Nyman for the tackle <laughs> job. And if Yash, is, if Yash is putting in five, six hours of work and he's battling for that job and you're going home and I don't see you here, I'm thinking he might get the job. We'll see what happens. Same thing for Zach Tom. So it's up to you. You do what you want to do. If you want to put in the work, great. If you don't, well, then maybe you can, you know, sit on the bench and watch some other guys pay, and maybe maybe Yash gets the big paycheck. Who knows? We'll see. But no, I I, I can't really think of a better answer in terms of, you know, I don't know the exact process, but I do think the offensive line is is the biggest thing. Even if you say they're not the biggest problem, which they probably are, that's the easiest area to locate and say this is the Number one area where if we fix it, we get a big upgrade. Yes, yes. Like I've said a thousand times now, the only thing you do is run and pass, and you can't do either without an offensive line. So fix that, and 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 we have the pieces. David Bakhtiari is looking great. John Runyon is a premier pass blocker. Josh Myers is more than capable. Royce is Royce. <laughs> and then, you know, again, we got Elton Jenkins. We got Yash. We got, we got pieces to put together a very good offensive line. There's no reason they should be bottom barrel in the league that's garbage that needs to get fixed let's uh let's let's start in our, on our big uh, offensive line section here okay. and we'll just we'll just really rapid fire these uh bang 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 all right peach badger says most people knew the offense was going to have major growing pains without 17 most people didn't think the offensive line would be this bad i'm starting to believe the conspiracy theory that buckus is some plant because after the first couple stunts the gap chest Jets kept using it. And we still couldn't figure it out. The uh, the uh, obvious connection here is uh, Dick Butkus. Right. So, you know, may maybe this is the long con. Maybe he's a secret Bears plant all along. 
I just wonder what he, I wonder what he would have been telling them. Like, Hey, if you see a guy sneak around your left shoulder, don't get him. It's a trap. Just, just let him go past. I saw David Bakhtiari do that. The guy stunted around him and it's like, you'd literally just watch him go. What are you doing? So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the conspiracy theory. I'm just curious how he's executing. Cause that would be interesting. Like, don't just stay on this guy. Don't ever follow the guy that stunts around the outside. Mike Petrucci, how do we go from having one of the best O-lines to now the worst while only losing Billy Turner? Well, I mean, who's who's actually playing worse? I, the only one for sure is is Elton Jenkins. Royce, in my opinion, I mean, maybe he's a little worse. He's always been pretty bad. Myers seems to be still Myers. Runyon yeah. is still a guy that's a great pass blocker and sucks as a run blocker. And it seems like Bakhtiari is kind of back to normal. So the right side, it seems like, is a lot worse. Royce regressed, and and Elton went from, again, like a top 10 tackle to a guy that you don't want on your team anywhere. Right. I, I For me, the biggest thing is that, and this is something you see across the entire team, and definitely on offense, and I think it's it's the most plain on offensive line because of how crucial it is yeah. at offensive line. And that is... These guys are not on the same page with each other. They right. don't know what the guy next to him is going to do. It's like these guys don't practice together and don't hang out and don't talk. And they don't know, hey, on this play, here's what the guy who's literally always to my left and my right, how they handle this. Well, I, I, I just on the podcast for tomorrow, I just uh, um, was looking at the first quarter. So I was watching some plays. There was literally an example of that. Elton Jenkins talks to Royce right to his left and points to his right. In other words, we got to slide to the right. I'm going this way. As soon as the ball snap, what does Royce do? He goes to the left. He doesn't pick up the guy right here. In other words, I'm going that way. You got to get this guy. He ignores it. That guy comes free and goes right for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's, 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 it's so basic. I'm telling you, I'm going that way. He's like, all right, yeah. cool. Have fun. No, 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 no. You have to do something when I do that. You can't just like, okay, sounds good. I don't, I, it's, it's so ba- like I don't know jack squat about football, and I'm looking at that going, I'm pretty sure I could figure that one out. It's crazy. It reminds, reminds me of uh, Jair trying to point out like the exact same thing. Like, hey, on this next play, I'm doing this, and then they both run to the same guy, right. and there's a guy yeah. screaming wide open. Yep. And Zach Wilson, who's not a good quarterback, is like, oh, even I can make this pass. Right, exactly. All right, Tyler wants to know, maybe a hard question to answer, but best five lineman green bay has and how do you appropriately start them and follow up do we even have five guys at this point which is kind of a continuation of where we just were and i know the big thing out there is come on slide elton jenkins back into guard he's a guard put yash out there right tackle and i understand i I do understand you know there's a, a great argument for both sides because yeah if elton plays at the level that he has in the past and yeah, maybe he's being limited by his uh, his knee injury, whatever. If he plays it, like like the gap between what Elton can be and what Yash can be is massive. Right. But also Elton's not giving us that right now. Right. And tackle is a super athletically demanding position. And the dude's got a compromised knee. And he's playing like garbage. This is really a better question for Coach Hahn, but I mean, come on. It it seems like something you should at least give a try. Like, hey, listen, Elton, if you need more time to recover, fine. We're glad you're out here. Play some guard. We know you can play some guard. Royce, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yash, 
I, I side note, I don't know what the heck um, Yash has done to this coaching staff uh, staff, because I know he doesn't play the very best at tackle, but when he's out there, he plays a lot better than, Hey, let's bench you for literally anybody we can, including Jake Hansen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant because like you said, the, the potential is so huge and you hate to concede that and just say, okay, fine. We won't have a premier tackle there, but we don't have to be permanent. Like you said, okay, you got a knee issue. We're going to slide you inside temporarily till you're feeling better or until another injury arises and then we'll try again or whatever. But for now, you're not that guy for whatever reason. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's painfully obvious. And I I do think there's going to be a change this week. They they have been Mm -hmm. talking a lot about it a lot, but um, especially since they pulled Royce, that that's kind of a, 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 pretty obvious sign but yeah, by the way who do you think gets the start at right guard i mean options like i'm, I'm not even considering jake hansen but you know that the coaching staff is well, i was gonna say well you know they are um yeah i i mean any chance we see sean ryan finally he looked like garbage in the offseason mm-hmm. but i mean come I, on. I i would like it just because it, it couldn't be much worse and i and i think if nothing else maybe we get that big powerful run blocker it, it would be fun to see um I, I as, as painful as it is, assuming Hanson's even healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at putting him there and leaving Elton at tackle, despite the fact that I think it's just painfully obvious we should just kick Elton inside, put Yash outside. Just because, like you said, Yash isn't the greatest, but he's steady. You know, he's that guy where it's like, yeah, you know, he kind of got pushed around. He wasn't the greatest run blocker, but he gave up like one pressure all game and no sacks. Like that's, right. it's like, right. okay, we'll cry about it. You know, he's, he's, he's great out in the 80s too. Yeah, it, right. So, um, I think that's the obvious thing, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to, to do that. Um, because they, they just love that guy for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they, they think he is great and a fantastic guard. And I don't know. We'll see. I, I know there's going to be riots if, if, uh, they line up with Jake Hansen at guard and Elton Jenkins at, <laughs> at tackle and, and probably rightly so. I, 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 it, I don't like burning a roster spot on Jake Hansen. Honestly, I really no. don't. I mean, you know, uh, if you see something in him, cool. He can be that guy like Yash did sit there on the bench for three years and maybe we'll see what happens. But stop pushing him out there as though he's ready to play. That's that's annoying. He's not re- right. He's not ready. Yeah. Uh, Nate wants to know, why can't we win against good defensive lines? He thinks that's all you need to really – you all really well, – yes. I think that's all you really need to beat the Packers, and I don't think he's wrong at all. No, I and I've been saying that since last year. The only difference is we had a better offensive line, so you needed a really good offensive line to beat us. But I've always said that when when I'd go on on podcasts with other people, it's like it, the formula for beating the Packers is pretty easy. You have to win up front. If you can win up front, you stop our run, you make us one dimensional, you get pressure on Rodgers, and he collapses. The problem is our offensive line is so bad. We see that every week. So again, like I said, fix the offensive line, you fix the team. And it really is that simple for me. I mean, it's it's yeah, we don't have Devontae, but it sure as heck isn't going to be this bad. And we're definitely going to crush a team like Washington. I can't promise right. anything against Buffalo necessarily, but we're going to stop just bleeding. A.T. Herschley, Andy, and uh, Rube Gray on Twitter all wanted to know what we think we should do to fix the offensive line. We kind of just answered that, but I want to give them credit that, that uh, they wanted to yeah. know and and they did focus a little bit uh, specifically on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, so we did answer that. Uh, Mons Moy wants to know, have we ever replaced Brian Balaga? As in 
like since he left, have we ever found a guy to to go yeah. in there? Exactly. I, uh, I mean, I thought that we was... did. <laughs> we all thought we did when we had Elton Jenkins, but I, I don't know. I guess was his last year eighteen or nineteen? I think it was nineteen. So twenty, twenty one, uh, twenty two. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right tackle. Yeah, and it's 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 hard to even remember because there's been so much shuffling around, which is probably a big part of the problem. And that you know, Elton even when he came in, he's a guard, and then he went to tackle, and then he went to the other side, and he was kind of okay, and then he got better. And we've had so many iterations, and now we got a coaching change on top of it. I'm sure that doesn't help, but no, that we haven't had like a guy that's like our right tackle for sure since Balaga right. left. No, right. I, I I will say I know the Packers love flexibility on the offensive line. They like guys who can play all these positions. I, I get tired of all the shuffling. I, I just yeah. I feel like it really hurts the continuity of like you and and we're we have more continuity right now this year than we've had in like the last three years. But it's, especially last year, it felt like you couldn't even have you couldn't string two or three games together with the same five guys standing in the same spots yeah. next to each other. We had to shake it up every single week. And I'm like, I mean, I'm no offensive lineman, but I I have from everything I hear it's so vitally important to build this chemistry and this understanding and connection with the guys to your left and right. Yeah. And, and I, I worry about it cause you know, injuries are coming. So it's like, this is, this is a prime opportunity. You guys need to get on, on the, on the same page and, and get this thing going because it's mm-hmm. just a matter of time before somebody goes out and somebody else is going to have to come in. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of inexcusable to be honest. Cause again, our offensive line last year was, was pretty decent. And like you said, they never, had the same guys, same five guys, you know, two or three games in a row. Garrett wants to know how bad is our blocking versus the rest of the league? And I think it is still fair, even with as bad as so many other teams are playing. I think it is still fair for us to hold the Packers to the standard of what we know they are capable of with their talent. But it is interesting Looking at the uh, grades for pass blocking and run blocking, the Packers rank ninth overall pass blocking just behind the 49ers. And they are 14th in run blocking uh, just behind the commanders. So I, I got to tell you, it sure doesn't feel like that they're that they're that good when we're watching them play. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it is just one of those things where and, and I don't want to give the Packers any kind of a pass for playing below their level. But it is always interesting how siloed we can get and, and quit paying attention to how bad everybody else is as well. I, I, I will add in a caveat now that you mentioned that, because I'm looking at it for the first time and yeah, they're, you know, the, the amount of sacks, hits, hurries, pressures, the efficiency, the Packers are middle of the pack and in a lot of cases better than average. I do mm-hmm. think Rodgers deserves a lot of blame for this as well. Um, just in terms of his inability, first of all, to just stand in the pocket. Second of all, to do anything when there's pressure. He's really bad under pressure. Right. One of the things I keep seeing, you know, when I go back and watch the Packers, you're also watching the other team. Quarterback's ability to stand in while the packet is collapsing and be able to just have courage and wait for that guy to come open and throw the ball. Rodgers, he breaks down. First of all, he has that clock in his head at two and a half seconds. Even if there's no pressure, he starts doing that little jittery, dancey thing where he starts bouncing around. He panics. And, you know... Again, you you look at, for example, the sack numbers. The Packers have given up seven sacks. Washington, 16. L.A., 14. I'm not saying these are necessarily great teams, Cincinnati, 13, but they're able to manage. 
You know right. what I mean? They're they're able right. to to do things when there's pressure. Um, necessarily, you're going to have a harder time. But I think Rodgers, in particular, does a lot worse than a lot of other quarterbacks in handling the pressure, calming down, standing in the pocket courageously, and delivering the ball. I just think he's he's worse than average, which is why I've always said you bring pressure to Rodgers and he's going to crumble. That's the other part of the equation. So, you know, the offensive line has to be better, but it is annoying that Rodgers just has no ability to just calm down. You know, Tom Brady is a ro- he, that that's he's a robot. When we went against him, he would have two different guys touching him from the Packers and he would still stand there and throw the pass unless he's on his back, he's standing there throwing the ball. Even Kenny Pickett is doing that in in Pittsburgh. He's right. you know, standing there and taking massive hits and still delivering the ball downfield, and it gashes and demoralizes the opposing defense. Right. I, don't, I don't care how bad the Steelers right. are, that still takes the wind out of you. It takes your spirit out. Tampa Tampa was a great. If if you want to know what I'm talking about, watch Tampa because our pass rush was incredible, and we we barely ever got him down because we'd get there in one and a half seconds, and he'd still throw the ball to somebody. So, yeah, it's it's completely demoralizing to watch your pass rush get there in one and a half seconds and you have, like, one pressure and no sacks through the first half or something. Like, this is insane. If only we had a, a Pro Bowl cornerback or something, man, that would really be helpful. Yeah, to be able to, yeah, to, to stop them for more than a second, that'd be great. We are in the waning seconds of the first half, uh, so we're going to wrap this up with a question from Billy on Facebook. Jinkos versus skinny jeans, which is worse and why? And I, I just, man, I'm not kind of like both, man. The, bring the Jinkos back. What do you think? Like both? I'm going the other way. Jinkos are the big baggy ones, right? Yeah. Well, so this is where I pretend that I'm a little bit older than I am because although I was around in the 90s, I don't really remember the 90s very well, but I do remember like one of the keys was you had to have like the patches, you know, the different, oh, yeah. uh, you know, characters or whatever sewn on there. That was a big deal. So I always had baggy jeans, but I never had like this crazy. I'm looking at the pictures, right? Like this is kind of stupid looking, but yeah, I, I wore baggy jeans all the time. Um, skinny jeans, never in my life. Will I ever do that? That's horrible and psychotic. And I will not, cannot. I, I buy my jeans from Walmart and they have like a, um, it's called like the skinny cut, and I it it does not look like the uh, when you see like the you know nineteen twenty year old guys walking around, uh, and they're always wearing like a uh, you know skull cap on too. But they got you know it looks like they're wearing tights. Like yeah. that's that's not it. But I I like the skinny the skinnier ones so that when I put you know my boots on or whatever the you know the bottom of the jeans are they don't flare out they like come in and like hug my ankle so it just sl- slides right in there it doesn't you know i hate when it hits the top of your boot and then just like scrunches and then you just got bare leg on the inside of your boot i'd rather have a little more a little more cloth in there so i, I like those yeah i just uh, pants that like squeeze my thighs freak me out especially if it's like your calves like that's now we're getting super crazy i can't do that. i will say though the 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 new thing with like the stretchy jean kind of material that mm-hmm. stuff is nice they they it's usually very, end up very a little a little tight, but you can kind of tolerate it because they're stretchy. But if you find like some not tight ones that are stretchy, dang, those are nice. I like those. It's like the best of sweatpants and jeans. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, if anybody's looking for uh, Christmas present ideas for me, give me some of those um, those uh, stretchy type jeans. Yes. All right, Ryan. This is usually where I shout out my Patreon, patreoncom Leahy. Um but you got one too. And uh thought I'd give you an opportunity to shout yours out. But do you think it's stupid 
that we both support each other on Patreon. Like, doesn't that kind of cancel? <laughs> yeah. Cancel. Like, it's nice you know chest. who's you know who's benefiting from this the most is Patreon. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We should probably just stop and not deal with the fees. All right. That is pretty stupid. Um, no, you just you're it's your thing. You got. Uh, I'm not going to steal from your thing. Ryan, you're, since you're since you're one of my Patreon supporters, what are the what are the amazing perks you get for supporting me on Patreon? What what or uh, since there are no perks, why should people support <laughs> me on Patreon? There's perks. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, you do it because you like the work that they do, and you want to just be able to say, "I appreciate you." That's why you do it. All right, Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy, and uh, yours is just Pack. Is it Patreon.com slash Pack Daddy? Something like that. Is that what it is? Something. Well, we <laughs> we don't even know what it Trying is. Trying not to steal from you, and you're just you're going to make this a thing. Well, I want I want I want you on there too. Is it is it Pack Daddy or Pack Underscore Daddy? Pack Underscore Daddy is what it is. All right, Pack Underscore Daddy. All right, we're going to take an advertiser break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, we've got a bunch of questions about drafting. Uh, when the team starts struggling, a lot of folks who don't like Gutekunst and don't like how he's been building this team, I think feel... Um, if not vindicated, at least empowered. Uh, but I, I grabbed a couple of questions that I thought were a little more interesting than most about the drafting. So Garrett wants to know, would you go back and trade our 2022 picks? And he specifies Quay, Devontae Wyatt, and Christian Watson. Would you trade those three picks to get AJ Brown? This is, this is usually such an easy one for me to just say, no, that's stupid, but... I mean, A.J. Brown is legitimately like a top five wide receiver. I think he's very underrated. Um, we need to give our guys time. I like Christian. I think he has some potential. I like Devontae. I think he has potential. Quay has potential, but there's nobody on this team making more angry than Quay Walker as far as what he's doing. Devontae can't get on the field, and Christian Watson is kind of bringing all my biggest fears to light as far as like everybody like you who was like, this guy's not going to be good. And then you watch him, and it's like, I mean, he's just fast, which is what we were kind of afraid of. So I don't know. I, the, the right answer is no, I wouldn't do that. But 
at this point, you got three guys that are contributing nothing. I think Quay is a liability. Uh, AJ Brown is a complete stud. So it's it's tough. I mean, I'm I'm going to be the optimist and say no. Our guys are going to turn out great and it's going to be wonderful. And then we don't have to pay AJ Brown. It'll be fine. Hundred, but 100 million bucks for a lot AJ Brown. Twenty five million bucks or twenty five million bucks a year for AJ Brown. Yeah, that's a lot. You're, you're paying I, I got, almost, almost Devonte money, which is a lot. I got way too negative, way too fast about Christian Watson. I need to pump the brakes on that and and hold um, my standard, hold myself to the standard when evaluating him that I do everybody else, uh, which I'm also doing with Quay and Devonte, which is the rookies. You got to give them an, until at least year three to, to figure out if they're a good or bad pick because you just don't know. And you know if the fact that Quay Walker is struggling as a rookie at a challenging position. Um, it's it's frustrating because we've seen what guys like Mike Parsons did immediately as rookies, but um, I, I'm definitely still holding out hope for him. And I, and I do think that it is really critically important because we know that this big transition is coming. We're about to lose Rodgers. We're about to yep. lose a bunch of these other guys. We have to keep building for the future, throwing all these guys away. I mean, you know, I, I look at how not fun it is to watch the Packers right now, and they've only just lost two games back to back. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, dude, I, I don't want to have to sit through, you know, this complete, you know, Lions-esque bad yeah. team where we straight up just don't have good talent. Like it's it's one thing to have uh, maybe coaching problems, maybe locker room problems, execution problems. But one thing that we have in spades that you can't deny is talent. And so that does give you a lot of hope for like, you can turn this around and it's not, you know, you look at the bears and it's like, <laughs> okay, you, you, you guys are playing like garbage. And that's like probably the, the peak end of, of how good you could be based right. on the talent you have in your roster. So I'm holding on to those picks and I'm not shelling out a hundred million bucks to AJ Brown, despite the fact that I really like AJ Brown yeah. a lot as a player. Alexi, who has been um, tweeting at me like all week long about, <laughs> how bad the wide receivers are and how bad Brian Gutekunst is. Mm-hmm. I here's his, his uh, one big shot that uh, this is the one he wanted on the podcast. Okay. How many games should Quay and Wyatt play until, <laughs> until we can say Goody bleeped up with the picks? How many picks should be deemed a bust like Josh Jackson, Jordan Love, Jay Sternberger, Josiah DeGuara, Amari, and very questionable so far like Quay, Wyatt, Sean Ryan, and Christian Watson. Um, before Goody is gone. Well, the standard for Alexi and a lot of other people is you should come in as a rookie and dominate. I mean, that's just being honest. I mean, this list is kind of silly. How long should we wait? Wyatt has played what, like thirty snaps this year. We're gonna we're gonna freak out about it. He's already. He, I don't know. I don't think he's been that horrible. Um, Quay has, but we've seen early I think he's just got too much on his plate right now is the problem with Quay. We've seen him dominate in the preseason and everything else. Right now he just he's hesitating like crazy. Um when he figures it out and starts playing faster, which like you said, let's give him at least a year first of all, but it's probably more like 3. And also this list, um Josh Jackson, yes. Love probably, but I don't know. Sternberger, yes. Deguara, no. I'm not ruling him out. I'm not ruling Amari out, despite the fact that 98% of the Packer fans are. We have not really seen him step into the wide receiver role, and I think he gets way too much hate as a returner, even though he's not great. But calling him a bust, I'm not going to do that either. Um, And then to say that Quay, Wyatt, Sean Ryan, and Watt, we're already putting Gutekunst on the clock about that. (laughs) First of all, you have way too high standards. 
Do you think that teams out there draft, let's say, eight guys and seven of them pan out? Because you're out of your mind if that's what you think happens. You might get one. You might get one that plays really well as a rookie and maybe a good draft class. You get three or four that pan out and play for the team in the long term. So putting these guys on notice as though, you know, we, we should have more better than this when, you know, Watson hasn't hardly played. Wyatt hasn't hardly played. Sean Ryan hasn't played at all yet. Um, I, I just, I I don't understand that thinking. I understand the frustration. I understand the frustration with guys that are playing, not playing well. I'm, I was a huge Devontae Wyatt fan massive i really wanted him to to come in and just dominate and he's not um but that's that's my fault for having stupid expectations because matt ryan or uh, matt matt ryan matt lafleur even said defensive tackle is probably the hardest position to learn which surprised me but that's what he said and it and it bears itself out you go on pff and look at defensive tackles they all suck they're terrible it takes a long time for them to learn so that was my fault same with quay oh he's going to come in he's going to dominate that was stupid He's a rookie. There's no reason to expect him to be a premier linebacker in the league. If it happens, great. But no, you can't put Gutekunst on notice because our rookies through six weeks are not performing. I'm more worried about guys like Elton Jenkins and Aaron Rodgers and the guys have, that have proven to be Andy elite Dillon. players Yeah, not playing well. The guys who are rookies who, who aren't contributing, okay, fine. They're rookies. I don't. It's not their fault that, that right. all pro guys suddenly don't know how to play football. Uh, before I add my thoughts, um, you can hit this next question from Monsmoy on Twitter, because I think it's a good one. It, and I'm going to re- read his whole question, even though it's kind of long. Is the draft selection process right in Green Bay? Should more consideration be given for upcoming contract renewals or declines? I think he's when, with declines. I think he's talking about like when Devontae declined to resign with the Packers is taking best player available a prudent MO obvious examples. Why Rashawn Gary and not an interior defender like Jeffrey Simmons uh, before fans run to Gary's defense. I'm referring more to the timing. We had the Smiths and Kenny Clark really needed help to impact more. We may have won the playoffs then. Uh, he also wants to know why Jordan love, not a wide receiver. Why versatile offensive lineman rather than bona fide offensive tackles. So I think it's a good question. I think he put a lot of good thought into it. And I, I do think it's worth asking is the draft process right and i think on the defensive side of the ball and and it's a little bit hard to judge because so much so many resources have been allocated to the defensive side of the ball and the offense usually gets really neglected in the draft but uh, on the defensive side of the ball i really don't have any problem with how it's been addressed i think that goody has been able to stack talent at every single position on the offensive side of the ball, the biggest problem you have is just that there has not there's not been a lot of uh, picks, especially not early picks um, thrown at the offense. Uh, but I did do a uh, podcast a few months ago where I tried to analyze how good is uh, Goody's drafting overall. Came to came to the conclusion that the offensive drafting isn't as good as the uh, defensive drafting overall, um, but you know, as we're trying to analyze, like how good of a job is Goody doing? When I looked at the time period of 2018 through 2022, uh, where Goody has been the GM, I couldn't find um, any other teams other than the Colts who have had as many hits 
uh, in the draft and, and as high of a hit rate in the draft. So Chris Ballard for the Colts, number one in terms of uh, hit rate with his draft picks. Brian Gutekunst, number two, was the conclusion I came to. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I know um, it's, it's a big fan favorite thing to, you can see it in the mock drafts, to get need-based drafting. I like what the Packers do. I think it makes the most sense. Um, you're drafting for the future. You're not drafting for today. And the reason is, look at the rookies, right? And, you know, not to pick on you, but your example of Rashawn Gary is very good proof of that. Rashawn Gary didn't necessarily help us in his rookie year, just like any defensive tackle or anybody else you probably would have got wouldn't have helped us. But you don't know what you need in the future. So you take the best player, and they looked at Rashawn Gary, and they said, this guy is going to be a premier pass rusher in the league someday. Or we can get some guy that we don't like nearly as much, but maybe he can help us today. And then in the future, we're screwed because we got this guy who's decent, and Rashawn <laughs> Gary's out there dominating for somebody else. Why would right. you ever trade that? But everybody, you know, everybody really wants to win today. But the thing is, you you worry today about winning tomorrow, right? As, as far as the drafting, when you're drafting, you're trying to win the Super Bowl then. And, and the thing is, today, 2022, we're not worried about the guys we drafted this year in 2022. We're worried about the guys we drafted in 2021, 2020, and 2019. And if we did our job back then, we've got guys now, and we do. We got Rashawn Gary. We got Jair Alexander. We got all these guys that are stacked up all over the place because of, in the past, we were more focused about the future. So now the, the future the, today is being taken care of by the past. And, and if we had not done that, we'd have a bunch of guys that we needed then that we don't need now. You have to have a you know, four, five, six, seven-year outlook and, and take guys that you think are going to be elite players. Don't worry about anything else. I want elite talent on this team. And if you got a guy that you think is an elite player, you take him. You don't pass up on an elite corner like Jair or an elite pass rusher like uh, Rashawn, and you're going to miss sometimes. You think uh, Savage is probably going to be elite. That was a miss, whatever. But the point is you want these guys that you think are going to be premier players in the league. You do not pass on them for somebody that you think is like a second round guy because he might, if if he can come in and be a dominant rookie, which almost nobody does, maybe he'll help us win a, a, a Super Bowl this year, despite the fact we don't even know what we're going to need. We're going to have injuries. We're going to have all these different issues. Maybe guys step up. It's it's an impossible process. So no, I'm 100% on board with, with the drafting process that the Packers use. And if anything, if if you're looking at the roster and are frustrated with a lack of talent anywhere. The biggest thing to me is that we have run out of money. I, I, I don't yeah. think that there's been an issue with, with draft picks not panning out that has really harmed the roster. There have been times where we didn't have the money and I will directly point to uh, the 2021 season um, yeah. and, and 2020 with COVID and, and say, there, there's where your money went. That's why you don't have a good enough team in 2022. If you feel like you don't have a good enough team in 2022 and 2023, because you spent today's money trying to put the 2020 and 2021 teams out there when COVID had crunched the cap. And we decided, ah, you know what? Let's max out the credit card. Anyways, we'll worry about that in 2022. Right. So that, that to me, that, that is where I would be frustrated. And, and it, and it ties in well with your point about the draft picks. Yeah. Two, three, four years ago, we were worrying about the future when drafting because uh, we had the uh, draft picks from three and four years prior to that that were taking care of us back then. So you get to now and hey, look, the draft classes are panning out. The draft classes are, I think, largely giving us what we need. And we didn't do the same thing with the wallet and 
so yeah. we're crunched and we can't pay, you know, guys like Devonte, um, you know, guys like, uh, Zedarius, if you wanted to keep him around, um, you can't go out and, and get a, a new premier wide receiver or safety right now. Cause you spent all that money. So no, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it's with, with the draft, we were worried about tomorrow with the salary cap. We were worried about today. The draft yeah. is what's helping us. The salary cap is what's killing us. Don't worry about today. You need to focus on the future and, and you know, let, let the past worry about today. We, we destroyed ourselves by being so focused on today with the cap. Yeah. Yep. All right. Perfect. Okay. We have uh, 20 questions left in less than oh, 10 geez. minutes. So we're, we're not going to get through all the rest of these. I didn't think we would. Um, let's go to uh, a preferred listener. Alicia Schlipp, she wants to know, how did you meet? So, Ryan, how did you meet Alicia? Um, the, the, the way story that, of how you and I met is not interesting. Yeah, no, the way I met Alicia, we uh, met on a cruise ship, actually, which isn't true, but that's the story I tell because nobody <laughs> likes to say they use dating websites, which is the actual thing that happened. I, I used dating websites and met a couple of girlfriends, and that's not where I met my wife. So um worked out better for you than it did uh, for me. It did. It did. You and I just met on, on Twitter. I was listening to the podcast and I uh, messaged you, you on Twitter. Honest, we, we, we met on a dating site too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, like three, four years later, you know, we're still uh, rocking and rolling and, and making some cool content together. And I, I, I like to give myself credit for, um, you know, the idea that there's even a uh, Packernet podcast network at all because, um, you know, that's where good ideas like that come from is in my brain. That's it. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, goose sent in a, like seven questions, uh, but this is by far the most interesting one to me. Uh, he says, Basaccia took a far less talented team to the playoffs last year. Maybe Matt LaFleur should be the offensive coordinator, send Stenovich back to the offensive line and let rich cuss this team into shape. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's we're in fantasy land at this point, but um, in theory, again, I don't hate it because we're we're giving him the the duty of just being the leader. You know, um, Matt Lafleur can handle as much response. I mean, he could basically still be the head coach in terms of game planning and all that other stuff that needs to happen. Um, yeah, Rich Bisaccia can just be the guy that that motivates and and leads. I again, it's it's not going to happen, but in theory, that's that's a cool allocation. I mean, let let the offensive genius be the offensive genius. Let the the motivator, the leader, be the leader. And um, I don't know what we're going to do with Joe Barry, but hopefully Jair can keep yelling at him <laughs> to get him to do the right things, and then we'll be fine. I do think that Matt Lafleur, as an offensive coordinator, would be the best offensive coordinator in the league. Like if you paired him, like get freaking Getzy out of Chicago. If you put Matt Lafleur in Chicago to run the offense and you had a, you know, typical Chicago bears defensive minded head coach. Yeah. Like that would be like the best team in the NFL. I, I, we have questions about, you know, can Matt LaFleur be the solution to the problems that the Packers have right now and be the motivator and be the bad guy. We have questions about that part of the head coaching job, but Man, as an offensive coordinator, I mean, I, there, there can't be anybody better than him. He's a, he's a genius. Maybe Andy Reid. Yeah. No, schematically, he's he's fantastic. And, and Andy Reid is just the full package. He's he's a great play right. caller and he's a great leader. So that's why so that's good. such a great situation over there. But yeah, Matt Matt is you know you go watch and you're like this offense sucks. It's stale. It's all, and then you watch it and it's like oh dude guys are open all day long. This is crazy. Robert, uh, 
How you pronounce this? Vilmau. Robert Vilmau. What is your favorite sausage to cook on a barbecue grill? I I wanted to get this one in now in case we run out of time because we very well might on this question. Sausage. Um, I think the only sausage I've done is brats, so that would probably be my answer. Do you? How do you cook your brats? Do you boil them first, or you just throw them on the grill? I just put them on the grill. I know. I know most people do the boiling and that's supposed to be better, especially like in beer is the way most people do it. Um, I just, I like grilling and it's, it's super simple to do. So I just, I just did the whole thing on the grill and I thought they were delicious. I do boil them and then grill them, you know, to get that, that little crunch on there. That's my favorite way to do it. But man, have you ever had whole hog sausage? I don't think so. You gotta get your hands on some whole hog sausage. And I, I don't even, yeah, I, I don't know what makes it whole hog sausage, but we, for a, a bunch of years, um, either my immediate family or like an uncle would buy a pig or a pig or two from a farmer. And one of the things they give you is like this massive sack of whole hog sausages. And okay. it's got like a, almost like a, a really uh, deep, spicy, smoky flavor. And it is it's so unique and it also has a really interesting texture because it's not just like you know when you just bite into sausage it's like the same texture the whole way through but the whole hog sausage i think they mix different cuts of meat right in there and so you're getting you're getting different textures of meat as you're chewing your way through it's interesting yeah because i know when they do the whole hog which i've never done either but it looks cool like in south carolina or wherever they do it Mm. you pretty much Mm. just like take all the meat and just mix it up together like in the pig. So it's like a whole hog you pick through. There's not like this section, that section. It's just, it's just all the meat right there. So that's probably what that is. All right. Uh, we got uh, 60 seconds and I think we're going to use that on the outro. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for, uh, joining me on here. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, I, I was hoping it would be, I just want to take some time and just chill and, uh, you know, forget about, the frustration of watching the Packers on Sundays. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was fun getting through these rapid fire questions and thinking through some of the aspects of the roster that, you know, there, there is a lot to be encouraged and optimistic about. And we do have one of the most garbage opponents in the NFL coming up this week, like has to be a get right game in the way that, you know, the bears were in week two, right? Yeah, no, I, I, that's that's the absolute bottom of the barrel if you lose to Washington. There, there's there's no lower than that. Check out the Packernet podcast like you've been doing, uh, packernet.com for all your news and notes, and we'll be right back here tomorrow with more content on the Packernet podcast. Network.